This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Father Brett Kroll and is part three of our summer study on Proverbs. So today we're in the third week in a series on the book of Proverbs. So you can reference your Proverbs guidebook here and you can also look through it uh, throughout the week as there are questions for further reflection. Also, Proverbs can be read in a, in a month if you read one chapter every day. So if you don't currently have a Bible reading plan, I would encourage you this month, read through the book of Proverbs. And as you go, highlight or underline those verses that stick out to you so that you can go back to them and reflect on them later. When I was beginning to grow in my faith in high school, I loved Proverbs precisely because it was so practical. And by studying it, And going back to it and finding those verses that I had underlined and highlighted, I found that God changed me greatly and fashioned me more and more into his image. So today our topic is words. And the goal for today is that we would walk away being just that much more intentional and careful about our words. Using our words for life and not for death. Because as we heard from Proverbs today, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs has more to say about words than any other subject which it addresses. Why? Because we use words all the time. It is the primary way that we experience the world and and the relationships that we're in. It's like the fish swimming in the ocean. They don't even recognize or see the water that is there. And like us, too, we don't usually recognize the importance of our words and the effect that they have on others. So the first thing we need to talk about this morning is the power of our words. All right, so I'm going to need your participation on this. I want you to finish this phrase. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words... I know it. You know it. Anyone who's been to middle school knows it. That saying is patently false. Words are more powerful than sticks and stones. Please, hit me in the face. That will heal. But words can create wounds that will never heal apart from the cross of Christ. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, those can really hurt me. Now, please, don't actually hit me in the face. (laughs) I have children. They do that plenty enough. All right. Here's a quote from Nelson Mandela, who was the former president of South Africa and instrumental in ending apartheid there. He says, it is never my custom to use words lightly. If 27 years in prison have done anything to us, it was to use the silence of solitude to make us understand how precious words are and how real speech is in its impact on the way people live and die. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So let's use our words for life and not for death, for good and not for evil. So just a couple points to illustrate further the power of speech. Remember the story in the Old Testament of Isaac when he's about to give his blessing to his eldest son Esau? Well, Isaac was old and he was blind, so he couldn't see that well, and Jacob, his other son, disguised himself as Esau, snuck in, And Isaac blessed Jacob instead of Esau. When the goof was discovered, Esau came in and said, please give me the blessing. Speak your blessing over me. And do you know what Isaac said? He said, I can't. 
I've already given the blessing to Jacob. His words were so powerful, he couldn't take them back. Now, you and I are not used to thinking about our words with that kind of power or permanence. We're used to saying, ah, I didn't mean that. Never mind, I take it back. What if you and I started to believe maybe our words do have that same kind of power and permanence, especially when it comes to blesses and curses? Another point to consider, you and I are made in God's image. Now, we are not God, but we are like him. We don't quite have the power that he has, but we do have real power. So, for an example, you and I cannot create a tree, but we can fashion it into something meaningful for human use. So people in the tree fashioning industry, AKA carpenters, they can look at a tree and see a house. They can look at a tree and see a boat. And they would actually know how to take that tree or trees and turn it into those things, to shape them and fashion them until you have, voila, a boat or a house or furniture or whatever. The less creative among us might look at a tree and say, I bet you can make a pole out of that tree. If I were a carpenter, that, that'd be the job they'd give me. Uh, Brett, why don't you make poles? Okay. One of the ways that we most resemble God, in contrast to the rest of creation, is in our power to communicate. True, many animals have forms of language, but no dolphin ever wrote a soliloquy. There's no chimpanzee Shakespeare, except in Planet of the Apes, but I'm pretty sure that's fiction. Humans alone are capable of expressing incredibly deep and complex thoughts through our words. And by the way, even though today we are focusing on human speech, let's not forget that God's words have ultimate power. It was by God's speech that he created everything that is. And just like last week when Father Stephen showed us that wisdom is not an abstract, impersonal concept or idea, but rather the New Testament shows us that wisdom is a person, it is Jesus, so too the Gospel of John tells us that the Word of God is not an abstract or impersonal idea. No, the Word of God, like wisdom, is a person. Any wild guesses who that person might be? Of course, it's Jesus who saved the world. So we see that by the word of God, the world was both created and saved. That's pretty epic. So if God's words have power and we're made in his image, maybe our words have power too. While we are not God and our words don't have that ultimate kind of authority that his do, our words do have a real power. And it's in our best interest to figure out what is that power and how does it affect the people around us. Remember our key verse for today. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So let's go back to what I was saying earlier about the tree. You and I cannot create a tree out of thin air, but we can take that tree that God has made and shape it and fashion it into something. Likewise, you and I cannot create human souls. But maybe like trees and other things that God has made, do you suppose that we have power to shape and to fashion the human souls around us? I think we do. And I think that power largely resides in our words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So let's use that power for life and not for death. 
You know, Jesus talked about his words and the word of God being like seed that was scattered on all different kinds of soils. What if we follow that metaphor and apply it to our own lives and our own words? If you were to look back on the day, or look back on the week, or look back on the last year of your life, and retrace the seeds that you have sown through the words that you have spoken, what would you find growing along the path as you retrace the words you've said? What is the effect that your words are having on others? Which plants are growing there? Are they plants that give a sweet aroma, are beautiful to look at, that become trees which bear fruit, whose leaves could be used for healing? Or are they plants that are toxic, poisonous, and leading to death? I read the other day that the average American speaks about 700 times in a day. That's 700 seeds containing either the power of life or the power of death. 700 seeds taking root in the lives of the people around you, shaping and fashioning them either towards the kingdom of God and towards life or towards the kingdom of this world, which is the kingdom of death. So we must learn to harness the tongue, to restrain our lips. So let's talk about harnessing that power, restraining our lips, taming the tongue. You know, wild stallion is a magnificent creature, strong and beautiful, but that stallion's strength is only useful to the rider who can first tame the wildness out of it. This is the lifelong project of every Christian when it comes to the tongue. Our scriptures today speak forcefully to our need to restrain our lips. I'm sure you didn't miss that. Some tough words we heard this morning. Uh, I do love the one, this one's a little more lighthearted, the one, the Proverbs, that's whoever, uh, whoever keeps silent, even if he's a fool, is deemed wise. I love that one. There's, there's hope for all of us. Or as Father Steve would say, he's the, the strong, silent type. <laughs> they also say, whoever restrains his word is knowledge. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And in Matthew's gospel today, did you hear what Jesus is teaching us? that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak, and that by our words, we will be justified or condemned. Earlier in James, the apostle says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And then later in the passage from James that we did read today, he says, no one's really been able to do this. As a preacher, this is great fun because normally you have to scratch your brain to figure out how does this message apply to everyone and when it comes to the sweet church ladies who I want to have for my mother, I'm wondering how do I call them to repentance? But James says, this one's got everybody's number. No one is exempt. No one has been able to fully tame the tongue. Most people, especially Americans, give a lot of thought to what goes into our mouths. We spend a lot of time and energy thinking about the food we eat. We're obsessed. We want to control the food, how much and what kind of food we're eating. We think about it a lot. It's not all bad. But how many Americans have ever given thought to what comes out of their mouth? If you've never regularly monitored and measured your words, what you say and how you say it, 
If that's a new idea for you, then a really important action point for you into this week is just to simply do that. As you go through the week, pay attention to your words. Monitor what's coming out of your mouth and the tone with which you speak. Simply paying attention to our words will do much for us in the way of restraining our lips. So our friend who was on, on staff here for a while, uh, Pastor Keith Hartzell, he told me once that he took a day of fasting from words. Put a little sign around his neck, sorry, I'm not talking today. And what he noticed is that oftentimes when he would about to say something, but he couldn't because he was fasting, he actually didn't like the thing he was about to say. But he never would have noticed it if he just blurted out the first thing that came to his mouth, which is what he normally does, especially Keith. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Keith. Sorry. That was, that was a bad word right in the middle of a sermon about bad words. No, I love Keith. I love him. But he said, I noticed how often I was about to say something that wasn't all that helpful when I remained silent for a day. What else is needed for the taming of the tongue? Uh, forgive me if this next sec section feels a little bit like a laundry list, but after all, we're studying Proverbs, so let's get really practical. Uh, think of it as a holy laundry list, or maybe not as a laundry list at all, just a great, awesome list that's going to really help us out. Okay, so first, let's talk about taming the tongue with our lies. We've got to keep a watch on our lies that we tell. Telling the truth is not natural to us, especially when doing so would not be in our best interest. Uh, though, of course, Proverbs would say, it's always in your best interest to tell the truth. But you know what I mean. Uh, we've got some training that we're doing with our children in, in truth-telling. We've been working on this. They know that we're working on this. Uh, but just a few months ago, I heard some crying in the other room. Caroline came bounding in, and she said, Papa, Teresa really hurt herself in an accident. And Teresa was crying pretty bad, so I decided to go over and investigate. And Teresa said, no, Papa, that's not what happened. Caroline kicked me in the face. <laughs> Caroline, who knows we're working on truth-telling, with great consternation and frustration said, I tried to tell the truth, but that's just what came out. <laughs> but let's really think about this. We tend to put lying in the category of kindergarten sins, like not sharing or name-calling or putting too much ketchup on your hot dog. We don't think of it as a big league sin like murder or adultery, even though lying is right there in the Ten Commandments along with murder and adultery. And in John chapter 8, Jesus says that the devil is the father of lies. When we lie, even those small fibs, we are speaking the native language of the evil one. It's like in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf reads the inscription that's on the ring, but it's written in the language of Mordor. To even speak that language was like a curse. And yet we speak the devil's language regularly. Like I said, it includes the little white lies, which are so common. But these two are the language of Mordor, the language of the enemy. And of course, the more we lie in small ways, the easier it is to start lying in big ways that could really get you in trouble. All right, next on the list, let's talk about criticism and cynicism. If ever there was a tongue that sowed seeds of death, it is the critical tongue. And the cynical tongue is not far behind it. It is so easy to tear down with our words. It's much harder to build up with our words. 
but let's not take the easy way on this one. So when you're hanging out with friends or your coworkers or your roommates or your family or even in your res group, how much of your time is spent criticizing things or people? How much time is spent in cynical rants? But of course, we make it acceptable by calling it venting. But what kind of seeds are you sowing? To tame the tongue, next on the list, let's also talk about grumbling and complaining. And this one, uh, again, all of us can raise the hand. None of us is exempt when it comes to grumbling and complaining. Amen? But Paul says something really beautiful in Philippians chapter 2. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Let's remember that most of the Israelites perished in the wilderness because of grumbling. To tame our tongue also means we got to cut out the gossip and the slander. Now, we usually think of gossip as just spreading things that aren't true about other people behind their back, but actually, it can be speaking true things but those things that just simply are dishonorable to the one that we are speaking about. Or perhaps they just don't need to be said. So the question to ask if you're wondering, was that gossip just now, is this. Did I just honor that person with my words? Or did I dishonor them? Did I truly need to say what I just said? And truly ask the question, because sometimes you'll come away and you say, no, I, I had to have that conversation. I needed to process, and I think I was able to honor the person, even though I had to say some difficult things about them. It, it may be possible, but at least ask the question, because I think more often than not, we'd have to say, I'm not sure I fully honored that person in my talking about them in their absence. Proverbs calls gossip like a tasty morsel that we digest. We love to receive a juicy helping of the tasty gossip morsel, don't we? And, of course, you know, we're all guilty of passing it on in the, uh, the baptized, consecrated way of, of prayer requests. Stephen was reminding me between the services. You're sitting in a circle, and somebody says, well, Mary and uh, her husband, they're, they're on the rocks again, so we need to pray for them. <laughs> Think about what's in the heart behind that. Maybe you really are praying for them. Okay, awesome. That would especially be true if in your own and private prayer, you're earnestly praying for them. But if it's just a way to pass on gossip, cut it out. Now, slander is straight up spreading hateful and untrue things about others in order to smear their name. So I want to speak a word here to parents with young children, but really children of any age. You know this, don't you? That your kids soak up your words like sponges. They hear what you say. They take it in. They internally digest it. And if you, in your conversation with your spouse or your other adult friends, within earshot of your children, are speaking slanderous things, insulting, or just talking bad about somebody else, especially somebody else here in this church body, this fellowship, your kids are going to hear that and wholesale adopt that opinion about that person, even though they would have no reason to on their own. Our words are so powerful, and our kids are listening. Now, word to children. Be kind to your siblings. Speak kindly to 
your brothers and your sisters, your biological brothers and sisters. Don't tear them down with slander. I still remember the words of my siblings that cut deep into me, and I'm sure they tell you they, they remember the same of the words I spoke to them. It may feel good in the moment, but it is not worth it in the end because these precisely are those hurts and wounds that are worse than sticks and stones because they don't go away. They remain with you the rest of your lives. Do you know that even at your young age, you are really important in how you're affecting your brothers and sisters in your family? So what are the seeds that you are sowing? Where do divisions begin in the church? Where does the breakdown in a friendship begin, or, or how does the marriage start to fall apart? It's in lies, even small ones. It's in criticism, cynicism, grumbling, complaining, slander, and gossip. With our words. But where also does healing lie? In our words. We heard today from Proverbs, the gentle tongue is a tree of life. Think about that. The tree of life. Proverbs is comparing the gentle tongue to one of the most important symbols in all of Scripture, the tree of life. It says that gracious words, which are words that convey grace or, or undeserved love, these words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the whole person. And you know, this is not only with those that we like and who like us. It's easy to say nice things to them. What Jesus said is, if you love those who love you back, how are you any different than anybody else? No, love those who do not love you. Bless those who persecute you. So if we were to apply that to our words, sow those life-giving words, sow those seeds of life in the lives of those especially who oppose you who don't like you, and maybe you don't like them all that much. <laughs> then we'll start to look like Jesus and show the world what the love of Jesus is like. And you've probably had that experience where maybe there was a contentious relationship, maybe a good friend or maybe more like an acquaintance. I had this when I was waiting tables at a, a nursing home many years ago. Most of the folks were awesome, amazing people. There was one man that was really curmudgeonly and difficult, and all of the wait staff knew who he was and never wanted him in their section. And I experimented with just speaking kindly to him, no matter how many times he berated me for my poor service. And after a while, guess what? He softened, and we were able to connect. Gracious words, like a honeycomb. Next on our list of how our words can bring healing is how about in our conversations we think less about talking and more about listening. Yes, in conversation, listening is an important part of speech. And listening well is one of the best ways that you can show love for someone, to really listen to them. Proverbs says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but rash words are like sword thrusts. And James also says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. One of the ways that you know you're listening really well is if you're able to kind of pause and repeat back to that person what they've just said to you. Sum it up, put it in your own words, rather than just jump right in with the thing that you want to say. And it's a formula that's tried and true, it's tested, it's guaranteed. If you do that, that person is going to feel heard, they're going to be blessed, they're going to feel loved. That's good listening. 
I was talking with a pastor the other day who was just sharing with me how over the years so much of his ministry has been listening to people. He said, I, I would go away from conversations where I've just sat and chatted with somebody and listened to them and, and think that person has never had a single other body to listen to them, who really took the time to listen so we can love one another through listening. Perhaps one of the most powerful ways that our tongues can bring healing is in the three most important words that you could ever say. I am sorry. And close second, runner-up to that would be, and related to it, I forgive you. Julie and I had a conflict just uh, a week ago. It was about what time we did or did not get out the door in order to head to her family's place for the week. And I was in the wrong about certain things, certain things, and I knew that all that was needed was for me to admit that. And sitting there while we were trying to resolve the conflict, I knew the words that I needed to say, and I just couldn't get them out of my mouth. Sometimes the longer we're in a relationship, the harder it is to apologize and to forgive and nothing might be more necessary. Well, last on, on the list of ways that we can bless others and be a tree of life through our words, is we can talk about Jesus. We can speak the truth about Jesus. Along with reflecting the character of Jesus through our speech, we can also reveal Jesus to those who don't know him. We I mean, think about it. If you're a follower of Jesus, it means that with words, somebody explained to you who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And when you believed them, you became a Christian and received salvation. Paul writes to the Ephesians, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You might be that messenger of that word of truth in the life of somebody. And of course, this, this is all just a smattering, just a, a few ideas of some of the more important ways that we can tame our tongue, but if we desire to cultivate holy speech, we have to regularly be in the scriptures. We need to be in God's word so that his words can be in us. Now, if we're not careful, a lot of this can sound like do's and don'ts without any real purpose other than just trying to be good. That's not what we're after. We must never forget that underneath our striving for holy speech is the desire to reflect the Lord Jesus, that by our words, we would not only encourage others and avoid hurting them, but through our words, we would actually show Jesus to the people around us, believers and unbelievers alike, that our words would be evidence of the Lord's work in our hearts and in our lives, and in this way, others might come to meet Jesus in us and in our words. We're also not likely to forget, and I, I hope we don't, the strong and forceful warnings that we heard in the scriptures today. Some of you are still troubled by them and you haven't listened to anything I've said since. Sometimes it's all right to be unsettled by what the scripture says. But for that, let us remember that underneath and over above and all around us is God's word to us, his final word to us. The word capital W to us, that like our words, 
issues forth out of the abundance, out of the overflow of his heart. So what's flowing out of God's heart? What is his word to us? It is the word, which is Jesus Christ, the word made flesh hanging on the cross for the life of the world. It is the word of mercy and forgiveness to all sinners who know their need. It is the word of love coming from the heart of God who is love. And even to what Jesus said in the gospel about being judged by our words, none of us is the good tree bearing good fruit before he finds us. We're all the bad tree bearing bad fruit until Jesus heals our hearts. And not only heals our hearts, but actually gives his heart to us. All the things that I listed out are great as a start. They'll, they'll point you in the right direction. They'll give you a vision for what holy speech is like. But ultimately, you're not going to slander somebody if you love them. Again, it's easy when it's the grandma that you love. Harder when it's the person who's really getting under your skin. So what we need is the heart of Jesus who loves everyone. And out of the overflow of his heart in us, our words will speak and they'll begin to give life. So when we believe in Jesus, when our heart is made new and we receive his heart, our words will start to show it. And then on the last day, it will be clear those who believed in Jesus and trusted in him for salvation and those who did not. So if you believe in Jesus, you have full confidence of his mercy, even if you are not perfect yet in your words. Bernard of Clairvaux said that whenever he saw a depiction of Christ on the cross, he saw the wounds of Christ like lips speaking to him, saying, I love you. And that is God's final word to you in Jesus Christ. I love you. So how about this week? At the end of each day, all of us take a minute to reflect on the day and ask the simple question, did my words give life today or did they not? Which kind of seed am I sowing? And for those moments that you are able, by God's grace, to breathe life into somebody else through your words, thank God and ask for more chances to do that on the next day. And whereby your words you were sowing seeds of death and not reflecting our Lord and, and his holiness and his love, repent, ask forgiveness, and the strength in his heart to speak those words of life more and more and more. Let's pray. Lord, we do need your heart, and we want your heart to be in us. Forgive us when our heart that is evil speaks evil things and brings death to others. And instead, fill us with your life, that out of your heart in us we might speak life, that we might show forth Jesus in the lives of those around us, and that you would use us to be instruments of drawing the people around us closer and closer to you. Do this for the honor of your name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.